0: What did I do today? I got up this morning and realized I was still alive and anxiously went to work. It's kind of hard to explain. Alan Shrede and I go through the same process, but uh, we will work ourselves to death. We're a total masochist when it comes to gardening. I mean, right now I can probably name out at least 15 things that hurt, but uh, I'm not (laughs) going to stop. Because the season is upon us. The garden is alive. It's in full bloom. And I don't want to let it die yet. I need I need a season of it growing. So we have still the month of August and September mm-hmm. and part of October. So we have a good sixty to eighty days of color left. Mm-hmm. And what our job to do, what Alice and I will do, is we will selectively manicure the garden and the color because it, how do you explain a garden? Uh, an annual flower garden is something that Monet called, as they grow, they do color weaving. So you get different colors coming out at different times. Some plants grow taller than others. So it changes the hue of the garden. And sometimes it eats itself and you have to trim it back a little bit, and other times you have to play with it. So that that's kind of what my job today was, is to go in to look at what is right, what's wrong in the garden, to find out what the garden staff needed to do and then show them, train them. And, you know, they made a couple of mistakes today, nothing serious. It's just here, let's fix this. Mm-hmm. And that's how uh, my day is. And so every day I'm always training somebody or Alice is training somebody to, to enhance the garden.
1: How many people work the garden every day?
0: Every day? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it changes. Uh, in, uh, in the job market today, most Of the staff that I have on, I have four full timers. I'm hoping to get five in the next budget, crossing my fingers. I have four full timers and I think about seven or eight part timers. And the part timers are, it's such that in the world today that they have multiple part time jobs. So they're there maybe three days a week, two days a week. Some are there four or Five days a week, depending on their their schedule. So I can have up to, on a busy day, um, 11 to 13 people working in the garden. And on a, a slim day like Friday, maybe five. Mm-hmm. And so it, and so you have to pick and choose your jobs to match the number of people that you have there. Depending on the weather, you never know what tomorrow is going to be. And the staff will come in in the morning and then go... What are we going to do today? And I have to figure that out in the morning when I get up and read the weather. And it's like, okay, what have we not done? What's the next thing to do? And yeah. But it's it's still massaging the the living organism as it is. And we have more than just sunken gardens. We have sunken gardens. Uh, we have the Hayman Rose Garden, the strolling Garden. then we have... The malls downtown: Centennial Mall, Lincoln Mall, Goodhue Mall, and then you have Government Square, which is a little pocket garden right across from where you guys used to have your studio or kids' used to have their studios, and then Tower Square with the Coneco statue or a, uh, sculpture. sculpture is. Yeah, the staff keeps busy, and believe me, they're always pulling weeds.
1: Yes, this time of year. Well, for this year especially, best.
0: this is year of the weed. The Nebraska year of the weed, you know. <laughs> it's, the tallest it's, ones. <laughs> it's everywhere.
1: <laughs> they are. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at my garden this morning going, oh my gosh, when am I going to get the hours? Well, I know. We've become that. a rain
0: not When it, when they say it's going to rain like tomorrow it's going to rain, it's not going to rain a quarter of an inch. It's going to rain an inch or five inches, somewhere in there. At least in my backyard and sunken gardens it will. It's just when it rains, it. Pores yeah. anymore, so yeah. that's a change, yeah. and it's been like that for probably three to four years now. Mm-hmm. Which I'll I'll take it.
1: It makes maintenance harder, but also easier too. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's easier to pull the weed out. <laughs> that's right,
1: and, and to keep everything going in its full lush form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the beginning here, talking about how your experiences with art started.
0: It all started with my mother, who is an artist in her own right. She did uh, ceramics, oil painting. Most recently, her, her art is baking pie, <laughs> which is nice. a form. It's an art in itself. But um, we were always encouraged do something to paint to uh, as as a young boy I remember building models and painting those and model airplanes but um, the arts were encouraged my mother uh, took me to I, I got into tap dancing when I was six and it was my first opportunity to get on a stage and understand well at least have the feeling of applause for doing something that I didn't really know what I was doing anyway but it sure felt good and after that, uh, later on in my life, I think by the time I was 12 to 13, this is before the Beatles came out, I started playing a guitar. The music I got into as a kid was early forms of rock and roll. Played that all my life through high school and college. And then eventually um, moved to Lincoln. The band moved here in a band house, and I discovered Sunken Gardens. But it wasn't until several years later that I actually I had moved away from Lincoln, and went back to Columbus, Nebraska, and then moved back to Lincoln to actually pursue a, a career in horticulture or I call garden artistry or garden design at sunken gardens. And that was back in like 1976 before any of my crew was born. And it was but it was kind of fun because back then it was it was new that most of the gardens of Lincoln at that time had been installed in the 19 early 1900s 1905 1920s and some of them were old some had failed already some needed to be renovated and we also needed to invite or come up with a better scientific method of growing plant material because back in the 50s and 60s they had an abundant number of people to work here I think if I recall when I started in Lincoln there were nine full-time gardeners and each one had three part-timers and so you can do the math there today I have one gardener which is Ellis Reed and Three full timers, and the rest are part time. So we've greatly reduced, and um, and to be able to pull off a garden like sunken gardens today with that number of people, you have to really know your science. You have to know what you're doing to, to be able to really uh, to really make it work. So my master's thesis is on the history of sunken gardens, and I base it on another master's thesis that was written in 1935 about how the Parks Department started. And the reason for writing the thesis, uh, seriously, was uh, I needed a master's, I I knew I needed a master's because in government, once you have the master's, then you can hold the position and the title and all that. And you should be somewhat of an authority and know your subject. But um, uh, the the other reason with the, the thesis on Sunken Gardens was I wasn't gonna go to school and just get a diploma. It's like that. That seemed like a waste of time. Other than the fun of the science classes, I went there to do. I wrote this thesis for the whole idea of rebuilding sunken gardens, and it even says it in the back of the thesis. And um, it sat on the shelf for a, a couple of years. I might add that a professor friend of mine is the one that convinced me that I needed to create a thesis that had value because he asked me, he said, you're not just going to do another one of those boring theses that's going to go in the library that nobody ever reads, are you? And it's just like, "Duh!" it's just, thanks a lot, you know. But it got me thinking. And it's like, so what could I do to contribute? And um, so it was about in 2005, Chris Beitler, who is now the mayor of Lincoln, was working for the Parks Department doing uh, looking for grants that we could use to either purchase trees with or uh, create with. You know, there's a lot of grant money out there that you have to seek. And um, our director, Lynn Johnson, asked me if I could just show Chris the thesis. So I gave it to him, and Chris is a very i guess how do i explain him you can ex- tell him something or let him read something he likes to digest it a little bit and, and then he comes back later on with a an idea and his idea to me was well what would you think if we started to use this money to rebuild and save sunken gardens i had a fear that sunken gardens was going to be filled in someday because it needed funding it needed repair couldn't get in it and uh, that was the inspiration that kicked it all off, and so I got to know, I, I did get to know Chris pretty well. I got I had to work with a lot of people that were very ready and willing to throw money at the garden. Um, I was amazed. I mean, here I am, a gardener, horticulturist, designer, and all of a sudden these people start coming out of the woodwork, going, "I'll do anything I can to keep this alive," and it's just like, really. And so uh, Sunken Gardens now has an endowment. That means there's enough money in that endowment to cover any damage or whatever that happens in the garden and to keep it alive perpetually forever and ever, I hope. The oh. next secret is finding some young people that are interested in coming in and learning how to do this. And we have, I have a very strong supportive staff right now. I'm amazed at some of the stuff they can do. But I do need to get some, some more kids in. I do have a couple of young ones in there right now, and we'll see how well they do. I know a lot of people make fun of the kids today, but um, I, they work just as hard as the rest of their career. It's kind what of age do you
1: like to start with?
0: I would like to start very young. I would like to get them in their early high school years so that I can kind of steer them a little bit, you know, and encourage them to take chemistry. And when they come back and they go... The chemistry professors, terrible. Then I could tell them my stories about, yeah, I had like four of those myself. They really are bad, aren't they? (laughs) But the significance of learning the chemistry of the plants and the chemistry of the soil and the planet and how these plants work in there. And then you mix that with how to do color blending and the artistry of it. And then you start mixing that with how do you keep this alive with city government. I mean, that's a whole – it's a whole program that is not available at the university. You have to almost work in a public garden to be able to, to touch on all of those topics. And that's how we we keep it alive. We work every one of those it's almost daily You know, to make sure that everybody knows that uh, it's important to, to keep it coming. Because there are a lot of people that are very willing to, to step up and, and throw money at the garden, which is a good thing. Keeps me going. Anyway, that's I guess that's – pretty good lead up to how I ended up in, in the garden and why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And I and I guess I can say, you know, this thought comes to mind. I um, I really truly believe that the reason that we put, my staff and I put so much effort into Sunken Gardens is because we're trying to make Lincoln uh, a nicer place, a more beautiful place. We do it to bring uh, emotions out in people. And if, I think just every time I turn around, there is something another photograph of sunken gardens where they're using it to market Lincoln. And that's a good thing. It, it really is. I don't think it's exploiting the garden. I think it's a good way to – it's a draw. It brings people to town. They come to town. They, they visit the garden. And then they go somewhere and get something to eat. They spend money here. And that is uh, – since I do work for government and it is tax-supported, that does help my, my effort to stay here. So I feel like I'm trying to contribute. To make it work anyway
1: yeah yeah the sunken gardens are such a popular well-known venue I, it, they're a destination for us they city are
0: you know, yeah think about it they've been here since 1930 but of course the hole the sunken gardens hole depression has been in the area since the 1905 it used to be just a so, to clear this up a little bit an oxbow in the antelope creek now that thing that runs along Capitol parkway wasn't always straight it, it was a meandering um creek that tore you know it tore through the center of lincoln all the way through the center of lincoln past lincoln high etc and when they straightened it out the oxbow or or excuse me the the hole in the ground at sunken gardens was left it was an oxbow or a turn in the stream and it had sort of it had just a slope uh, that went up the side, and uh, kids, they're not kids, some of my friends, uh, Tio Haas's wife, Terry Haas, told me when she was a little girl, that's where the snow-sledded. Now, there was a lot of debate on whether it was a city landfill, or it was not, but it was most certainly a dump. You know, it's like, hey, there's a hole over there, it's just, and we got this pile of junk, let's just go dump it. And they did that, and so it sort of was a, it was an eyesore and in the nineteen thirties, during the depression, when uh, the city of Lincoln had high unemployment, like any other city, uh, a innovative um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Ernest Baer, who was a commissioner in the city, we didn't have city council back then; we had commissioners, and his responsibility was uh, the parks department and the city treasury. And he found a little bit of money in the treasury. That he could hire, I think it was 240 men to come do odd jobs, and build things for the city of Lincoln. this is pre, um, 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 oh gosh, what do they call that? That uh, I'm drawing a blank. Is right it now. the
1: CCC? No. A well, yeah, uh, of, but I can't think of it. N- well, think about a little <laughs> bit. Drawing a blank here, yeah. but.
0: Um, it was it was it was hometown money spent on hometown people, oh. and it was it was. Now was mostly men that were hired. I don't. I never found a record of any women that were hired, and they got paid like something like four dollars and fifty cents a week, and that was considered enough money to buy food, pay rent, clothing. And I always laugh because the loaf of bread I buy now is six bucks, you know, <laughs> and so. Um, um, WPA, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah. It was before the WPA. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So anyway, they um, they, uh, they being uh, Ernest Ernest Bear had his floriculture so was his title at the time Henry Gold or Fred Goebel, who worked for the city since 1905. He was a trained nurseryman from Germany uh, of all places, and he got together with his son Henry, who taught at Irving Junior High and they designed the sunken gardens with the ledges and the slopes and the pie beds and the two fish ponds and fountains. And uh, lo and behold, the city approved it and they went ahead and started building it. And, and the most, the majority of the materials that they used in the garden were found here in Lancaster County. The stone walls were made out of glacial till, those little chunks of granite you see laying all over the place. Some are pretty big, they've had them in the paper lately and uh, the sidewalks were the tiles from the old original uh, post office the federal building and um, they did build the ponds the the ponds were what's unique about the ponds is that for the rebar they use the old rails from the streetcars in lincoln and i don't know if you've made anything out of concrete but when you put rebar in it usually put a small rebar in it not a rail mm-hmm. and so when they went to rebuild the garden in 2005 they couldn't smash through those walls for nothing he <laughs> was it was well it was full of iron you know streetcar rebar yeah. and so um, built by germans but um
1: resourceful wow but,
0: but anyway sunken gardens what was really unique it, it had a um it had a draw different parks around the uh, state of Nebraska and Iowa actually came here and looked at it and copied it and went back home and built their rock garden. But that was a movement across the United States. I think if you travel you'll find rock gardens. They're, They're in Nashville. I've seen them there. I've seen them in Fort Worth. And it's kind of a, it was a community thing. Back at the turn of the century everybody had a garden so the community always had a garden and even the schools had gardens. And I think Lincoln is fortunate that they kept their 1930s garden. There were many years there, I know, under different uh, administrations where they talked about cutting back on on budget and they didn't get rid of the gardens i can't believe they did that so anyway we that's kind of gives you a little bit of a history Mm -hmm. of the garden
1: very good very good history i
0: can ramble on and on you just ask you're just like
1: a huge history lesson here (laughs) i love it i love it well let's uh skip back to where you started your interest in soil and and then how that has evolved into yeah Learning about public relations and bringing Alice in.
0: Yeah, I was um, I was always into science. My grades did not show it, but that was because you know I I was bored with school. You know who wasn't? It was it wasn't that fast moving, but science always fascinated me. And uh, even as a young man, and I I had German grandparents that would, you know, I went out and planted it, worked in their gardens, and they taught me how to work a full day and how to work until you drop, and then, and then you keep working. But um, uh, my, my interest in science, that was probably my first lead into wanting to, I think it was botany, though. I was taking biology, and I was taking everything from plant, not plant, human physiology to psychology. But when I took a botany course, all of a sudden, oh, this is really fun. It was really hard. It was not the best grade I ever earned in college, but it it opened my eyes to something I'd never thought of before, and that is the living organism of plants. And and with the understanding of what I was – my understanding of how the planet worked, I think we're we're so – I don't know how to explain it. Really, we're so connected to plants that we breathe what they make and they breathe some of the waste that we create – we can't live without plants we just can't you know when we go to mars we will be taking plants with us so there's a symbiosis right there and there's also psychological symbiosis too and i and i think that's something i discovered the first time i went into sunken gardens i went i had gone to a wedding i was invited to my brother-in-law's wedding there i'm in this Older sunken gardens. It was sort of dilapidated at the time, and but I was still fascinated with the garden. I was so surprised to find out that they would. One of the guests there told me they would pay me or pay somebody to work there. Then I thought, this is this is it. This is what I'm looking for. And so, about a year and a half later, I moved back to Lincoln. Uh, I had moved away for a short period of time. Moved back to Lincoln. And started working at the parks department. I of course, told them I wanted to work in the greenhouses right away. Well, they didn't put me in the greenhouses. I worked anywhere but the greenhouses. <laughs> but um, I eventually wormed my way over there and got into sunken gardens and started to learn the process of growing ornamentals in the city of Lincoln. And I consider anything that we touch and we grow as an ornamental. I mean, we're not. I'm not indigenous. And I'll guarantee you, none of the plants. In Lincoln, or some of our are in, are indigenous, but I believe this was like the tall grass prairie at the time. You don't see a lot of that anymore. It's mowed lawns and everything else. So I have tried to figure out how to grow whatever I can grow in the city of Lincoln. I have our staff, we grow everything grass trees, shrubs, annuals, perennials, natives, aquatics, uh, mosses. You name it, we have been growing it and trying to keep it alive. And the, the other thing we try to foster and grow in the city of Lincoln is just understanding of the citizens of what this garden really is so that it is they come into it and they actually get to experience the color that it creates the, that we work to, together on, and there's no charge. They walk, they can walk in that thing as many times as they want in a week. And it, it, so, so this builds ownership. And, then, and now we have volunteers coming on a regular basis. They want to be part of it. They want to get their hands into creating this floral piece as it is, this piece of art. And so I, I guess that's a, a roundabout way of saying how I ended up into it. I guess I, I want to go back a little bit. I met Alice in 1984. She was just f- fresh out of college. And her dream, same dream, was to always work at Sunken Gardens. And... Um, that was kind of a surprise to me we didn't work together very much at first but i think it was in the late 80s um i'd been working with julie Lamphere designing down in there and julie decided to take a job at the state fairgrounds and alice came down and we were the designs weren't working on paper so we improv the whole garden that year and and it was, you know, she, had, Alice has a eye for color. She can see how to blend and mix and match much better than I can. So we we're laying this whole thing out, and I can see patterns, and I can, I can do the number part of it, and I can, I can see the visual. I can paint it and all that. And she was coming up with these combinations, and so we just stood back and looked at it and thought, well, we'll see how well it does. And it was okay, you know. We didn't, we didn't think much of it, but however, next year that garden photograph showed up on the state map. And we're going, oh, somebody noticed. So maybe we did something that people liked. And our goal has always been to please the citizens of Lincoln. I mean, they are our constituents, they pay our wages. Uh, What can we do to make them happy? So when we go do the designs every year that we do, I don't think Alice and I are standing there going, what is it we want to do? We ask people that come into the garden what would you like to see? And we always get a good response. You know, some people like the fire colors like this year. This is a fire yellow colour year. Some people like the purples, some don't like purples, some don't like orange. And it's interesting to to think about that because we do incorporate all those colors in any given time, but the dominant color this year is the fire color which you know plays on the the theme this year of sun salutations. So we were looking at all kinds of suns and, and all kinds of salutations of the uh, of the sun and that's kind of how we came up with the patterns and the color that we did that we did uh, this particular year.
1: Fabulous inspirations. It's neat how the story comes together. So if I did my math right, you and Alice have worked together redoing and rethinking and re-envisioning the garden for about 30 years?
0: Oh yeah and then some um is it's interesting sometimes Uh, we both have uh the same taste we both have the same vision when it comes to plant material we both visit gardens she'll get i think she's going to go on vacation this weekend hopefully she gets to see some of the gardens in denver uh, or fort collins but um we when we see something in a garden we usually come back and go oh I have this vision I think somebody asked me a couple weeks ago there were we get so many visitors from Lincoln it is unreal and they're they're from the coast usually they go from coast to coast and one of the guys asked he said so when do you start designing and uh, well we already started it's in our mind and we can see it Um I think my vision is a little bit more electric than hers. I was wanting to use LED lights. I don't think she wants to do that. But yeah. um, we're, we're, so we're working on next year's design already, thinking about how to get the color flow to work, how to get the repetitive movement of the plant material around the garden because there's a lot of thought into that. And um, so it's it's just a, a sort of a back and forth. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see um, – and what I see, Ella has this unique knack for remembering um, plant material. She'll see something and boom, it's in there. She remembers it forever. And I'm like, I'll forget it in you know, a week or so. And so she'll come back with, I've seen this, I've seen this. I'd like to try that. And I'll do the same thing with her, but I have to take a picture of it. And it's, uh, by the way I'm going to remember it. But <laughs> so we're in that we're in that stage right now where it's it's fine to watch it's fun for us to watch the garden develop as it is right now and to change colors and to be what it is becoming and but yet to think about what can we do next year
1: the planning of the garden and the experience <clears throat> of it is much like what an artist goes through you just very clearly describe the creative process Your, your eyes are open you're looking around you're paying attention to the world around you you bring those in you internalize them and then you start to brainstorm and you envision and then you share ideas with one another you bounce your ideas around a little bit more outside Mm -hmm. of you and Mm -hmm. then they gel and they come together and and you have your aha oh yeah that's what we could do and that moment you know comes together and you get more passion and more energy about where you want to go with that
0: yeah Yeah. you usually see this really, really gel real strong and at the end of the year. And, of course, most of it happens at night when you're asleep. You <laughs> Two know, o'clock in the morning. <laughs> wake up and draw a quick sketch or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Or in your mind you were at the garden and you saw how it was working in its maturity. You have to be able to visualize a living garden with what you're using and even when you're installing it you have to envision that little plant in your hand is really about the size of a basketball or bigger by the time it's for sure you want to visualize that as you're going in mm-hmm. that's but that's the that's the science and the math behind it you have to be able to get it to fit I right mean, I'm, I'm do recall a couple of times i give somebody a flat of plants and they plant it in an area two foot by two foot it's like no that doesn't that doesn't quite work so there's, there's the skill, the art, not only the art of working with the color, and, but then there's the art of working with which plant will work well with the next plant. You know, they, not all plants like each other. And, uh, and then there's the, other, the skill of which will grow in Nebraska, which will not. And that's changing as it gets warmer. We've noticed this in the last 20, 25 years. Now that it's warmer, we're growing things here we couldn't grow. Twenty years ago, and they're doing very well for us. And um, no matter what you put in the ground, you have to continually watch the weather. You know, we're wet right now, so that means you put a dry, a plant that loves dry conditions in the ground, it will more than likely rot. And that's so. It, I'm not sure where it's going. I I would assume we're going to get warmer, but then I with with climate change, they can show you the erratic conditions of it you know we know we're going to have violent storms and we know we're going to have a lot of rain but we don't know if we're going to get dry like what they're experiencing on the coast right now so so i'm just taking advantage of it i'll put the tropicals in and and smile and and then across across the street all of our perennials are in over there we have all of our nebraska natives but they are some of them are struggling it's too wet uh, for them or the the weed competition is just that the we just climb on top of them within three to four days it's just amazing i've never seen plants grow so fast in my entire life in one week i've seen bindweed grow four or five feet it's like okay this is
1: out of control <laughs> yeah well it, it is it's it crazy. was
0: yeah. it, i think We usually weed our gardens, and then after you weed them, you mulch them, and then you maybe touch them up again one or two times. But we're on our fifth or sixth revolution of going through. I know a lot of people are going, when are you going to pull the weeds? It's like, well, those are from Monday. (laughs) It's It's like the movie, The Santa Claus, where his beard wouldn't stop growing, you know. Mm -hmm. These weeds are incredible, so. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, six years ago, you took on this adventure with Julia Noyce, and Art in the Garden was envisioned, oh, probably more than six years ago, because uh, that would have had to start before the event. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, let me tell you a little bit about that, um. I, one of the things Ellis and I noticed, and this happened a couple of times, we would get these artists down in the garden, and they'd set their easels up, and they'd paint. And, and, we, and it was to me, it was like, oh, yes, this is this is perfect. Because it reminded me of some of the stories I read about Monet and Van Gogh. They would take their easels out, and they'd stick them out in the middle of – there's a name for it where they paint outside. Plain air. Uh, yeah. They would go out, and, they would, and, and Monet would carry – several canvases with him so as the light changed of course he had cataracts but as the light changed he would slip in a different canvas you know and and continue going van Gogh I think was just really fast you know I don't know how many paintings he did in a day I know there was more than one on a lot of occasions but um the um the the idea of having artists in the garden was just there because I, as I'd mentioned to you earlier, we studied the masters. You know, I, I don't know if as an artist that you've ever done it, but I I remember one time we were we went up to Joslin. I said, Alice, come here. You got to get real close to this Monet to look at the brushstroke. Of course, he sort of dippled almost, but mm-hmm. each brushstroke had. We, and we actually set the alarm off. We were that close. We didn't touch it. But uh, each brushstroke had multiple colors in it. And I said, look at that. And that's when we started re- finding out how he would do color weaving in his garden at Giverny. And we started practicing that kind of technique in what we were doing. And all of a sudden, it was it was just kind of fun to do it with living living plant material. But but anyway, back to the artists in Julia. I had, Ellis uh, and I had always visioned having artists down there. I think I, I had run into a... Uh, art show in I'm, i can't remember fort thompson up in the uh peninsula around uh, port Angeles near tacoma and i had thought god if we could just do something like that back in lincoln and w- we did we asked a couple of the artists if they would ever consider it and it's like of course not it's just way too hard to do i mean you have to be an organizer you've got to be a planner you got to be somebody that can take no for an answer and just keep coming back and um one day one day we were down at sunken gardens and this lady came up to me and asked me if i'd ever thought of doing an art show i said well yeah i have and she goes why haven't you done it and i said well I don't remember how the conversation really went, but eventually I remember she told me she could do it. And I told her, well, I've been waiting for you to come to tell me that you can do this. And, and Alice and I had been waiting almost 10 years for an artist to step up and say they wanted to do it. And so since and as soon as Julia did that, Julia and Elias, um, we met with the foundation found out how the park and rec foundation could work with us met with the director of the parks department to get permission to use the garden in that respect and, and went ahead our first year and put it in. And it was, it was rather surprising how many people enjoyed it. They, they enjoyed it so much. They came the next day after it didn't, after it shut down, they thought it was a whole weekend long thing. And, um, And I think that's what – Julia played off that a little bit. She realized what the citizens would do. She realized what hours they would come down to that and found out how the two, you know, worked off each other. People come to see the garden. They came to see the art. And they would all bring their dogs with them. And so you see every species of dog on the planet. at sunken gardens on – Art in the Garden Day, they're all over the place, and they're oh. cutest little things. And they bring <laughs> their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a family-oriented type thing, and you see art of every. You can buy cere- uh, uh, plates to eat off of. You can buy a, a painting. You can buy a metal uh, a piece of art, something that somebody sculpted. That you can something out of wood. Every media you can think of, and the art. And then the other cool part is the artists are there. And they're telling everybody, this is how he did this. This is how I created this. Mm-hmm. And I'm still fascinated when they tell me some of the stuff that they do. They go through to pull it off. So it's kind of fun. Two different artworks going at the same time.
1: Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait for the September 15th event
0: Art oh, in God. the garden. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It, uh, we, I usually go for the whole day and. <clears throat> I go from booth to booth and meet every artist. Okay. That's that's sort of a goal. Alice and I go to each, and photograph them if we remember to bring the camera, okay. and uh, find out what their what their interests are on. And it's so f- interesting to see how we're all interrelated. How art really plays well, and there's music there. There is dance there, uh, and there will probably be food there this year. Mm-hmm. And um, I think those all work together real well. Why Very not? well. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for hosting us. It All will right. be a big event. Thank you Well, thank you very much, Steve yeah. Nozzle of Lincoln Parks and Recreation. You You're bet. Um, so appreciated in this city and uh, a long time history of a great contribution. So I think your story and and we can see your passion every day uh, as we drive by or when we stop in we take a walk
0: mm-hmm. Come visit. It's in its glory right now. It That's is. It. Yeah. This is Julia Noise from the Noise Art Gallery, and this has been Art Talk Live. I want to especially thank Lila Cho for her original violin composition that she did special for us. Tune in again. We'll be looking for you.